listening to On the Couch with Carly. Carly's Couch is a safe space to talk. I'm a psychologist, but I'm not your pipe-smoking, tweed-wearing stereotype. Hello and welcome back. I am aware that last session sounded a little bit tinny and there was a bit of room noise. So I am going to try recording in this manner that I'm right now, which you can't see, but I am sitting between two chairs with a blanket over. Apparently that's what amateur podcasters do, so here I am. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for all of your kind responses to the previous episode. Um, Yeah, it feels great to be um, so uh, supported and reinforced in my decision to take care of myself and my family at this time and yeah I just got an overwhelming response from people just saying well done this is good for you and 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 just being generally excited about the theme of this of this of this um, season so thank you for that so let's launch into the second episode Um, today I thought I would talk to you about the first trimester Um, I'm no longer in the first trimester. Um, So I just wanted to speak quite generally about what are some common experiences in in the first trimester. And also just to speak about generally, like the, the overarching feeling, the psychological experience of being newly pregnant. So again, I want to clarify that this conversation might be triggering uh, particularly for people who've experienced pregnancy loss or infertility. Um, I want to just normalize just how delicate, fragile, vulnerable the, the time is around getting pregnant, falling pregnant, the, the expectations and anticipation around whether you are planning for a baby and waiting for that um, positive pregnancy test. And, you know, for many people, there are multiple negative pregnancy tests before the positive one. And just to acknowledge that experience, that wanting a baby, wanting to start a family, to, to be so in touch with one's desires. I actually talk a lot about desire um, in my work and I think being in touch with one's desires is so important and so psychologically healthy actually but one of the risks of being in touch with our desires which is one of the reasons why many people avoid being in touch with their desires is that we have to tolerate and accept the reality that sometimes being in touch with our desires results in us having to tolerate not having our desires met. So when you want something and you don't get it, it's really, really hard. So I just want to say that I am absolutely aware and, and, and feel so deeply for people who are wanting a baby and who are not yet in a place where that is a given, you know, where it's, where it's still a... A desire, uh, a wish, and it hasn't been fulfilled yet. 
So that whole process of wanting a baby and waiting for the positive pregnancy test in itself is very anxiety provoking and it can be exciting. I think um, it can go so easily for some people that it doesn't even cross their minds to be wanting it or for them to be even aware of this in-between period where they want something and they get it. They just get it and it's like, oh, there you go, you know, and, and that's really great for them. But I don't think everyone experiences that. So I think I want to just speak to the fact that wanting a baby, especially now in this modern world, especially now that people are having babies much later in life, um, when our bodies are maybe less um, primed for reproduction. I think also we're very stressed in our lives. Modern people are much more stressed. So it is more difficult to fall pregnant under those conditions. And so I do think there's an increase in the experience of I want a family, but it's actually a bit of a it's a bit of a journey to get there. So let's just acknowledge that. Let's just acknowledge how that in itself adds to this process. It creates a complexity. It creates a nuance to it that, okay, this is not just a simple matter, right? This is a thing. This is a thing. We've got to time it right. We've got to know our bodies. We've got to check that our bodies are functioning well. We've got to possibly experience disappointments along the way. You know, many women will, will understand and appreciate that feeling of when you get your period, when you've been hoping to fall pregnant and that, that first sign of blood and how disappointing it is, how, how hard it is to, to be with what is when you are wishing for something and, and, and what is is different for what, from what you are wishing for. And so, so, you know, many women, many families are experiencing multiple disappointments, multiple processes or cycles of, I want something, I'm not getting it this time. What's wrong? What's, is it okay? Am I okay? What's needed different? You know, what, 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 do, we, what do we need to do differently? Then you get the positive pregnancy test, okay? And for some that, as I said, that might be a long, not a long journey at all, very simple process. And for others, a much longer, more complicated journey. I'm not even go- going into the whole journey of IVF or surrogacy or donorship. I think that's a whole other conversation, one which I am not actually that well versed in, but I'm so um, open to the idea. And I think more and more couples are using those sort of means to have babies. So it is, it, it's, it's normal. It's absolutely normal and common these days. But let's just talk about getting a pro- positive pregnancy test. You get your positive pregnancy test, you would think at that point that that's this, you know, you've got your wish, you're you're happy. Maybe you've been wanting this for a long time. Maybe you haven't been wanting this for a long time and it's a surprise, but ultimately you do want it. It is something that you're happy about. I mean, I'm also not going to go into the whole discussion about abortion and about terminating pregnancies because you're not ready for to become a parent. That's a whole other story. We're talking about pregnancy and birth. So let's say you actually, we're talking about people who want a baby. Now you, you get your positive pregnancy test. You would think that that's the end of the story. But do you know that 
almost every single person I've ever worked with has told me that all, all they wanted was a baby. They, there may have been a journey to get there, but that first few weeks, sometimes it's even a month or two of being pregnant, it, it isn't automatically just joy and joy alone, right? Like there's joy and there's excitement and there's happiness and there's relief and there's all of those feelings. But I have yet to meet a woman who falls pregnant. Let me actually clarify that, qualify that. I've never met a person who's found out they're about to have a baby, man, woman, other, who doesn't have a complicated mix of emotions. Yes, you're joyful. Yes, you're excited. Yes, you're hopeful. Yes, it's thrilling. It might be something you've been wanting for a long time. But I actually believe that it is a necessary part of the process that in the first trimester, particularly early stages of pregnancy, there are also other emotions at play. Sometimes there's a complicated emotion, a complicated experience around anxiety, dread, and, it, and it's normal. Suddenly you think, oh my gosh, what a, am I going to be a parent? What is going to happen to my life? How's everything going to change? What's going to happen to my, to my relationship? I'm going to have less money. How are we going to afford this? You know, I think it's really normal and understandable that this huge life event, even if it's something you have planned and wanted and longed for, when it actually occurs, shocks you. <laughs> even if it's something you've been looking forward to, it shocks you. And there's something quite paradoxical about that. There's something quite, almost, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's really hard to experience something in your body that doesn't feel like it makes sense. Why am I suddenly anxious? Why am I suddenly fretful? Why am I suddenly feeling totally insecure and, and, and inexperienced and you just, you know, like I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. And I think that that is something we have to speak about more because if you don't know that that is actually a normal part of the process and potentially it's got something to do with the hormones in your body as well, but I think a lot of it has got to do with the reality of having a baby, which is that it is huge, mammoth, the biggest change in your life that you'll ever experience probably, that it's normal to go into an experience like that with some questions, with some worries, with some ambivalence. And if we don't normalize that, if we don't know that that's totally par for the course, then I think what happens is that we can be very vulnerable to feeling shame. <gasps> What's wrong with me? Why am I feeling like this? I've wanted this for so long. Why do I suddenly feel so unsure? There must be something wrong with me. I must be the problem. No, you're not the problem. This is normal. This is just something we don't speak about enough. We don't speak about the fact that there are complexities to this experience, that it is, it's an everything and all the things experience. It's not ever just going to be one thing. And, and it starts right from the beginning, right from that first 
time you see the pregnancy test. Now, for many people, the very first moment of seeing the pregnancy test is thrilling, exciting, joyful, just one big happy moment. And so those feelings of ambivalence might come later in the process. They might come when you start feeling really, really, really nauseous <laughs> or deathly tired and you can't focus at work or you can't look after the people in your life that you're supposed to be looking after or you can't exercise in the way you used to exercise. For every person it's different, but what I know is that the first trimester is a time of very unpleasant experiences. You, your body is being taken over in a very powerful way. The surge in hormones is extreme. It's almost overnight, so it's very radical. It's a very radical shift. You don't have time to get used to it necessarily, and it's something you've never experienced before. So, your, especially for first-time mothers, what's happening in your body is so unique. Um, but what I've actually found is that second time around, it's worse, and that's because you're also busy looking after a child already, um, and so your body is tired and dealing with something that's overwhelming it, but you've got, you're preoccupied with looking after other people. <laughs> so it's not, it's not that easy. But what I can be, what I can say for sure is that there's lots of nasty symptoms when it comes to first trimester. You've got nausea, you've got extreme tiredness, your boobs are sensitive, your tummy feels funny. You have all sorts of gastrointestinal issues. I mean, it's normal to have diarrhea for weeks. It's normal to have constipation. Um, you know, there's so many symptoms that you get that make you feel icky. You know, imagine, imagine you have uh, someone described being in the first trimester as being on a boat that you can't get off. Imagine you've got seasickness every day, all day, and for some people, all night and you're on this boat that you actually can't get off and you're just constantly feeling queasy and you can't take medication necessarily to fix it, although there are medications that you can take, but even that comes with its own story, which I'm gonna talk about now. You know, it's not nice to feel physically ill and physical symptoms have a psychological result. So feeling icky in your body tends to make you feel anxious actually you know and also if you think about stomach concerns if when we think about having no, like like what makes you feel nauseous from an, on an emotional level anxiety you know when you're feeling nauseous you associate that with anxiety so I think there's a correlation there between that physical nausea and that experience of being uncomfortable in your stomach and, and, a, and, a, and a sort of sense of anxiety that's in your body of like, oh, there's something going on. There's something, something happening here that's not okay. So I just want to normalize that. I just want to say, wow, just think about that. And for a, for a man or for someone who isn't able to, 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 to get pregnant and, and, have, and have a baby, it might be difficult to, to, to relate to that. But just imagine spending plus minus three months being nauseous and extremely tired. It's almost like having food poisoning for three whole months. You know, that's a big thing. It's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's not a, it, it's a big undertaking. And on top of that, you're doing it with this added level of anxiety. And I just wanna to speak to this now. 
We now have this thing where we don't talk about pregnancy until you have that 13-week scan where you see the baby's fine and there's no abnormalities. And most importantly, you've reached the point where most miscarriages would have happened if, they were gonna, if there was going to be a spontaneous miscarriage, it would have happened by the time you go for that scan. And so most people only announce their pregnancy at that point. So now what we're dealing with is you've got all these symptoms, you're feeling all sorts of ways, and you can't share it with anyone. So you've got to go to work. And you've got to keep quiet about how awful you feel. And you've got to keep functioning. You've got to keep smiling, keep looking like you're enjoying life. But actually inside your experience is so different. I think that's really, really hard. So I just want to speak to that, you know, that I don't know another time in one's life when that is the case, when we are experiencing such a huge um, overwhelming and complex experience, part of which is distressing, part of which is uncomfortable, and yet we don't speak about it. It's not something that is commonly shared. And there's all sorts of reasons for that that I understand. You know, you've got to know that if you speak to someone about being pregnant before you're sure that it's a viable pregnancy and you lose the baby, you're then going to have to speak to that person about the pregnancy loss. And I think that's the reason why people keep it to themselves is that it's emotionally exhausting to talk about pregnancy loss. Um, and you need to choose who that would be, you know. You, and I think that's very important is to say, okay, I'm going to speak to whoever I would also speak to about if there was a, if there was a loss. This is who I'm going to speak to. Um, so that it's not so secret, so that there are people that you can share with and there are people who, who can commiserate with you, who can bring you things that if you need it, you know, that who can support you in that process. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter how many people know, you are still walking around with this icky feeling and this mild anxiety and this dread because now we're told, and of course, this is true, that pregnancy loss is actually normal. A lot of pregnancies result in miscarriage. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's got nothing to do with you being dysfunctional or your body not being, um, not working properly. And it's got everything to do with the fact that some pregnancies are just not viable and the body has an intelligence and knows how to get rid of pregnancies that are not going to result in a, in, a, in a healthy, happy baby. So I also think that we have a lack of understanding and a, and a failing with, in terms of a cultural narrative around pregnancy loss. Like, why aren't we speaking more about the fact that all the, you know, all the different ways that, that pregnancy loss can occur, but also just speaking about it from a place of it's part of the process, you know. But I think even if we do, and, I, and, and I'm very fortunate that I've got friends and I have, um, I think in my own self, I've got a realistic viewpoint around pregnancy loss. But, but even still, like even if you know it's, an, it's, it's, it's a likelihood, even if you prepare for it, even if you're, you're, um, you're keeping that in mind. 
it's still a radical thing to be almost holding your breath for three months while you wait to feel like you're in the safe zone. Not everyone does that, I understand. Some people just go for it and just, you know, just believe and that's great. But I think a lot of people, and increasingly so because of medical intervention, because of so much information that we have about how how pregnancy works and you know the, the, the scans and how incredible they are that they can pick up little things. But I think really for a lot of women these days, especially women who are being monitored by gynecologists and obstetricians who are in the medical system, I think for people who are in the home birth and, mid, and midwife-led world, it's slightly different um, because, of course, the medical profession is pathologizing in its nature. So they do look for what's wrong more than what's right. That is just their, the way it's set up. But pregnancy has become that. It's like it's a it's a pathological event almost. It's like everybody's more in tune with what could go wrong. But that's quite a thing. So now we're talking about let's just just look at this picture. We've got a wish, potentially a dream, a fantasy, an idea. We're going to start a family. We want we want a baby. We've got the wish fulfillment. So this is actually happening. I'm getting what I want. <gasps> But I feel anxious and scared and I'm not sure how I'm going to cope and it's a big deal and I have no idea what to expect because I'm going into the unknown. Plus, I'm feeling icky and gross in my body. I'm tired and, and, and overwhelmed and everything's hard and I'm nauseous and I'm, and I'm dealing with this anxiety, this dread, this sense of I've got to hold my breath. I can't count my, my, my chickens, you know. I can't, I can't, was it count your eggs? <laughs> Um, I can't decide to truly lean in and 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 relax into this knowledge that this thing is actually happening because I'm told that it could be lost at any moment. What a wild experience. What can you think of another experience in our life cycle that is like this? Can you think of anything else that is like this where you are coping with this mix of emotions and experiences and and doing it mostly in isolation not broadcasting it you know not this is not something you would be saying at a dinner table when someone says how are you feeling you don't say well i'm dealing with you know it's like laughable you know like no you're not going to say that it's it's such a complex mammoth experience anyway the other thing I want to speak about is this idea that because it's this time of such fragility and vulnerability and because we are aware of so many things going wrong, I do also think there's this added feeling of being really cautious and that can turn into anxious about what we do. I mean, we all know now that there's all these rules about what pregnant women are allowed to eat. There's all these risks, you know, associated with eating raw fish, for example, or shellfish or pork, you know, and um, that's increased to being like unwashed salads, unwashed vegetables, you know, unpasteurized milk. You know, there's, in some ways, it, it feels logical that like, yes, you, you need to be aware that like certain foods ha can carry bacteria. 
but in other ways it's almost like you you have to over generalize to believe that all of those foods could contaminate you which whereas in actual fact logically it's not true not, not not every raw fish is going to contaminate you not every shellfish is going to contaminate you not every raw uh, or smoked pork you know pork is going to contaminate you but because it could you've got to overgeneralize the threat you've got to see it all as something that you should rather avoid and i think that that behavior has a consequence psychologically which is that when we overgeneralize the threat of something we actually are feeling much more at risk much more vulnerable and so i do think that that first trimester is or actually the entire time of pregnancy when it comes to um what you eat and and you know whether it's whether you consume alcohol all of that stuff it pregnancy is a period of extreme um cautiousness and sensitivity to threat and i and i and i just want to speak to that i think that there's something i think there's something profound for the person who's carrying the baby to be the body the vessel that is holding this precious developing being and having to keep its safety and its health and its well-being so front of mind all the time now of course this is absolutely necessary and relevant and absolutely the start of the parenting journey i mean this is this is what's so interesting about the difference between what happens for um mothers and fathers is that if you're carrying your baby in your body you have a 9 months or 10 months start to your parenting journey you're already parenting you're already taking responsibility for this being in a real practical sense from conception whereas your partner whose whose body is not being used in this way is actually carrying on life as normal they might be psychologically affected by the concept of having a baby in the future but they're not already taking on that responsibility with their bodies where so that's really interesting so women are carrying these babies or people who who carry the babies um are, are holding in their body this immense responsibility and this sense of guardianship you know that i am guarding this other being's life i am responsible what i do what i what i do with my body has an impact on this other body what i do with my body has has consequences and i think that that's also really huge like do we think about this do we actually think about what that means psychologically how much you're taking on as a mother as a person who is carrying a baby that everything you do has consequences potentially for this unborn baby and it can be very anxiety provoking so for example you know i remember when i was once trying to be vegetarian and i and i, <laughs> I didn't last very long because i found myself one day just suddenly snacking on biltong um dried meat and it was so unconscious i didn't even think about it like oh my gosh i'm just i can't believe i'm eating biltong I, i'm supposed to be doing a vegetarian diet and i think sometimes that can happen where you suddenly like let's say you i don't know you have a headache and you take a 
a Myprodol. I, can I tell you, I've actually had dreams, like nightmares, where I take a Myprodol in my dream and then I freak out because I'm like, oh, but you're pregnant, you can't take a Myprodol, you know? And I think that that speaks to the fact that there's this anxiety that we will slip up, that we'll make a mistake, that we'll take something that's bad for the baby or we'll forget that we are actually supposed to be in this space of, you know, overdrive of concern, of, of being aware of what, what dangers are around us and, and being aware of what we, do, or what we do with our bodies, you know. Because it's a, it's a lot to be constantly aware of what you are doing with your body and how you are going to affect your unborn fetus. I mean, there was times when I was so nauseous in my first trimester that I couldn't take the vitamins I was supposed to take because I was just going to vomit them up. It was just impossible. Um, by the way, if anyone knows of a liquid form of multivitamins, I think that is the answer. I think they need to develop a pregnancy, like multivitamin, all the stuff, omegas, all the stuff that you can take in like a syrup form and you just take one teaspoon of it a day. <laughs> that's, I think that's the solution. And even if it tastes gross, like at least you'll take it and it'll be one thing, you know, but the pills that you have to take, there's a handful of pills. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. For days, I couldn't take these pills because I was just so nauseous. And then I started to feel like guilty. <gasps> what am I doing to this poor baby? You know, this baby's not going to develop properly. What if I affect its growth, etc., etc.? Those sort of thoughts are common. It's common to worry about what am I doing that's going to result in something that's going to affect this baby, you know? For some people, they don't find out that they're pregnant until later and they've been drinking. They didn't know. Um, and there's and then there's anxiety and then they and God forbid I know of people who've also purposefully drunk in their pregnancy because they have substance abuse problems you know or have taken other substances and you know even for people like that there is consequences you know I'm doing this but I'm doing it you know addiction is not something you necessarily are like actively. Um, consciously choosing because that's what you believe is the right thing to do. You know, it's a, it, it, it's compulsive. So it's really, 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 really hard. It's hard to to be responsible in this way. And then it's very hard if you do something that may be potentially dangerous or risky, then to live with yourself. You wait, you'll wait until you see that scan or you'll wait until you see that baby and know that it's healthy before you can actually properly exhale. And I just want to speak to that. I think that that is something that we do not think about enough. I don't think we, I don't think we have enough support structures for, for parents around that. I don't think that parents themselves, like in the couple, are talking about it. I think moms are walking around with these feelings in their bodies all the time and dads are not aware of it at all and they're not having conversations about it they're not discussing it they're not empathizing with it so as a request if you are in a relationship with someone who is pregnant I want you to make an effort to ask this person what it's been like but seriously ask them like to use this conversation or this this topic as a reference point to say did it feel really anxiety provoking? You know, what were your anxieties about? What kinds of things do you worry about? Um, because I think that's the empathy that needs to come from the, the person whose body isn't involved, you know, that 
if you're just carrying on drinking and doing whatever you want and eating all the pork and eating all the sushi in front of your partner while they're pregnant, is that really that kind and empathic and compassionate? Like, is there not a, another way to be where you could actually maybe commiserate and empathize and, and, and support the person who's having to go through it with their body? I think... I really would love us to change the conversation around this. I really would love us to be more supportive of, of people who are early, early pregnant. I really think that we need to talk more about the heaviness that, that is carried in those first three months around the threat of pregnancy loss, the devastation if there is loss, um, the holding of one's breath, waiting to get those scans that say everything's okay. And what you're living with in that space, in that time of not knowing, you know, that, that it's really hard and that you have to just get through it, that it's sometimes a time thing. You just got to get through that period and only at the end of that period will you know whether it's okay. So if you know someone who's pregnant or if you are pregnant yourself, let's, let's make this conversation a thing. Let's bring this out into the open. Let's talk about it. Let's support each other. Let's be kind to one another. Let's acknowledge that this is a big deal, that to bring a child into this world takes a lot on an emotional level, that even before the child is born, there is so much going on that is such a rich, complex journey of mind and body. And to support that process, to be compassionate and empathic, to think about it, to be mindful of it. Thank you so much. Bye.